0: Welcome to episode 118 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are things with you today?
1: Oh, things are good. We were just saying it's so nice outside and it makes such a difference.
0: (laughs) Doesn't it? Blue skies, sunshine. I definitely had a spring in my step on the way into the office today, and I'm, I'm almost... As we say in English, demob happy. I'm literally days away from a holiday, so I can <laughs> feel it in my bones. It's getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> so this sunshine is a great a great preview of that. Nice. So a couple of episodes ago, we asked the question, what's in your inbox? And um, asked people to think about how do you take the demands that come your way and, and form them into something actionable and the benefits of having a separate inbox to put that stuff in. So in other words not living in our email inbox. I hope that was useful for people. I hope it maybe prompted some thought and maybe helped people step away from that living in the inbox, the email inbox experience. So do get in touch if you have any follow-up questions or or comments about that. You can always get in touch on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or you can send us an email, uh, podcast at worklifepsych.com and we put links to that in the show notes. But today, um, I want to take that forward a little bit and talk about um, what some people might think is the interesting topic and other people might think is the dreaded topic (laughs) of um, the tools we use to get this stuff done. You know, We talked about having an inbox for here are the things I need to do, but there's a real risk that we could follow trends and do what everyone else is doing when it comes to these applications, these pieces of software. It may also be that we haven't given it any thought and we use what we're given, and maybe that's not fit for purpose. And I know something that I really identify with is the tendency to jump from app to app as new apps are released, or someone makes a comment about it, and you think, oh, I might try that. Now, I'll be really honest with everyone who's listening to this. I often do that under the guise of, well, this is my job. I need to be aware of these different apps. But honestly, there's a little secret bit within me that goes, "Oh, exciting, new, shiny. And it's really disruptive, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> jumping from from application to application. This stuff matters. We're trying to get important stuff Done so. Um, I really want to, in this episode, emphasize it can be really simple. It can be really bare bones. We don't need tons and tons of apps to be digitally digitally productive. Does that make sense?
1: Completely. And uh, I am the same. I, oh, uh, someone so is using this. Oh, I've got to try it. And 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 it's. Sometimes you try it and you realize quite quickly that it doesn't work, but sometimes you do stick with it a bit too long um, and then realize <laughs> it's not quite working with everything else. So yeah, completely with you.
0: That's a great point. Does it work with everything else? Mm. And, and I have a, maybe a mental checklist when someone suggests an app and they're really enthusiastic about it. I mean, my first question is, is it actually an app or are you talking about something that I can only access via a browser? Mm. Because if it's only a browser, well, then I, I can't really use it well on my phone. We'll come back to that point a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, there are certain limitations. And, of course, the platforms it's available on. And, and also, let's think about people's varying comfort levels with technology. I know that there are people in my life that don't want to be bothered with, oh, suggestions around new apps. You know, so we, we want to make it as easy as possible. and We want to remove as much friction as possible because Unless this is your hobby, (laughs) it should work seamlessly in the background to help you um, get this important stuff done. Now, there's a huge amount, huge number of apps out there. When you think about the different platforms, the different devices, um, even if you just search the app store of your choice for things like productivity, um, it can be really overwhelming and it can be really full of hassle to move from app to app. So there can be a perceived barrier there. Oh, I don't like what I'm using, but I don't know what else is available. And something that I come across when talking about this topic with clients is perceptions around the cost. And it's really interesting um, the way we view apps and their price. If you think about the work that's gone into them and you think about the benefits they can bring you, they're, they're really worth the money if, if they do what they do well. And yet we look at something and go, oh, that's an expensive app. I always compare it to pizza. It sounds a bit bizarre, but how much would you spend on a pizza that you will have once and never have again versus an application that could really help you daily? Forever, and the the cost sort of pales into insignificance there. But I think so many so many of us have got used to not paying anything for apps. We think that uh, they should be free, but quality normally comes with some kind of a price. So the first thing I would say is don't don't let the cost of an app necessarily be a barrier to you. Um, but also don't assume that you're going to have to spend a lot of money on these things because often what's built in can do the job quite well. What comes with your device could actually do the job quite well.
1: That's a great point, is that everyone has, well, yeah, imagine everyone listening probably has a smartphone and sometimes we're looking for something where actually it's already there somewhere, what
0: we need. Mm-hmm. And... These things get updated and they get improved over time and you know what, it's there and it probably works really well with your device rather than um, something new. So that's often a really good starting point. Um, And I've mentioned it before when we've been talking about digital productivity that actually Many of us don't spend an awful lot of time getting familiar with our devices, get it out of the box, turn it on, and start using it because, you know, it's a phone. But actually, there's so much functionality in them that, you know, if we scratch the surface, we could figure out some really useful things. But um, I know, you know, they don't come with massive manuals explaining all of this. We have to go looking for it. And if you're not interested in that, um, it's all lying beneath the surface. Um, I've... I've, um, I got a new phone this week and I was amazed at how it's obviously it's an iPhone because anyone that knows me knows I I, I like them, but the packaging is less, the, the, the box is smaller, but there's no manual. There's Mm -hmm. no, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. There's an assumption that you're going to go digging for this. And I think that's, that's a shame. So, um, this stuff is often, is often built in. So that could be a really, a really great starting point. But well, let's ask the question, um, maybe you're asking it yourself if you're listening to this, why, why do we really need to be digitally productive? Why do we need to think about this at all? So first of all, um, we need somewhere to keep the tasks recorded that we know we want to do. We, we need to, to have somewhere we can put them. And yes, you could have that written on a post-it note. You could have that written in a notebook. The advantage is they're very portable and they'll usually be backed up in some way. So you can lose a post-it note, you can lose a notebook, but this information gets, gets backed up. So all the tasks and the project's information, that's, that's digital. We also need somewhere to make a plan around how we're going to use our time and, and the commitments that we're going to keep. Um, again, digital means we can look at that from wherever we are rather than a paper diary, for example. And of course, you know we've talked about All of the information that comes our way and all of the information we want to keep and all of the notes we create, we need somewhere to keep that and organize it so that our future selves can say, where did I keep that recipe for blah, blah, blah? Or where did I keep that voucher to get money off the next time I go to that shop? We need somewhere to keep that stuff. So um, the digital approach means that we can access this regardless of the device we're using, regardless of where we are as opposed to, I know I have this written down in a notebook, but that's in the office and I'm at home. Now, that might not be the end of the world, but it's one more piece of friction to get stuff done. So that, that's why I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the digital perspective, as long as we keep it simple, as long as it doesn't become a job in itself to manage all of this stuff. So let's start with the management of our tasks. Remember, we've made the distinction in previous discussions between a task and a project. A task is a thing that gets done and it's done. A project is, loosely speaking, a collection of those tasks. There's a there's a goal to be achieved there. So the task management piece is basically I am taking my thoughts and my memory, and I'm externalizing it. You know, we talked about this in the "What's in My Inbox" discussion. I'm putting it somewhere. So, a task management app will remind you that this is something you want to do, or allows you to take something and break it down into actionable tasks. It it helps you clarify uh, the work. So, there are so many ways that you can do this. If we start with the really, really simple. Uh, End of the scale here. If you have an iPhone, it comes with the Reminders app built in. That's a very adequate solution, Um, you know, to put things in there to be reminded of in the future. And you can make the distinction between tasks and projects in there. You could be automatically reminded. Uh, You can assign these tasks varying levels of importance. You can actually be reminded based on where you are. So a a location-based reminder can go ping. Um, You can actually be reminded uh, when you are texting someone that you have a reminder associated with that person. And it pops up, do you want to ask this person about this Reminder now. So there's an awful lot beneath the skin of the Reminders app that comes with um, Apple devices. And of course, it works with... um, Our friend that you dictate to. I'm not going to say their name because it'll (laughs) activate everyone's devices, but you can dictate your reminders in and it's, it's really, you know, really simple, but really powerful. And the latest uh, version of that allows you to assign tags and have smart lists. In other words, you can put context around these reminders, and you can see lists of reminders that are based on something they have in common rather than a project. So these are tasks I want to do at home, these are tasks I need to do when I'm at the supermarket, that kind of basic rearrangement of it. And I've watched this evolve over the years, and it's gone from a very bare bones, remind me to put the rubbish out, to something you could effectively organize your life within. Um, So I'd say, if you haven't got a, a task management management app and you've got a uh, an iPhone, have a look at the Reminders app. It's a really great start. Is that one you've ever looked at?
1: Yes, and I was just going to say that I didn't realize it had all the other stuff around mm-hmm. it. That's amazing—the location thing. That yeah, mm-hmm. that blows my mind. Um, I have I have used it a bit in the past, and I have to say that I stopped using it. But just this is going off on one, but the it. it I uh, tried to remove it from my sidebar in my Mac, and it just won't go away. <laughs> oh, so anyway, okay. that's a bit buggy. Um, but but yeah, I'm amazed that it's got all that stuff. It's really it sounds really good, actually.
0: There's a, a little bit of secret sauce with it as well. Um, that if you um, have Apple AirPods, the the earphones, um, you can have your reminders announced in your ear. <laughs> and it's it's really useful for that location-based yeah. stuff. So you know, I, I will use it sometimes to to remind me to do one-off errands. And uh, there's the number of times that I've come through the tube station barrier when I get back to Canary Wharf, and I'm ready to go up that escalator and go home. And then it goes ping reminder da 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 something at the shopping centre. I go, thank you, you saved me walking all the way back out again. Now, unless you are a massive fan of technology, that that stuff's not really that obvious. So what I'm going to do is link to a video on YouTube um, that I go back to regularly with my clients where uh, there's a guy who demonstrates all of this stuff in a video, and and it's just really great. So I'll I'll put a link to that there. But we're not short on... Apps to to do this task management. So um, I talk about Todoist a lot. That's one that I use. That's you know my my number one uh, for for lots of reasons. It's cross platform. It's relatively cheap. You can start for free. Um, you can share things with other people in it. Uh, you can do that in Reminders as well. Um, there's another one that is uh, Mac and Apple and iPhone only called Things 3 that's very popular um, f- among users of those devices. Um, I think mostly because it's absolutely beautifully designed. I mean, as apps go, it's very, very nice to look at. And that does make a difference with these things. If you like the thing, you're, you're more likely to use it. Of course, many people aren't in that world, and they'll use a PC, Um, So Microsoft To-Do is a really good app. I suppose it's their version of Apple Reminders. It's really powerful, and it actually links quite nicely with other apps on that platform. So you can turn emails in Outlook into into tasks in Microsoft To-Do, which is a really nice uh, functionality because you're taking the stuff from your email and you're turning it into tasks. Uh, I'll put a link to a video I came across um, where someone demonstrates this. Um, This is not a world I live in, but I've seen it, and it works really, really nicely. And probably at the other end of that uh, complexity and cost is an app called OmniFocus. And uh, I did use this a few years ago, but personally speaking, I found it a bit over-engineered, a little bit complex, and to my mind, a little bit too much. For, for the day-to-day, but it has a huge fan base. So I'll put links to all of these apps in there. Um, I think for me, it's a combination of Todoist for the stuff that is important and I know I'll need to do and is all planned out, and occasionally reminders if I'm just walking along and I just need to say, oh, re- you know, remind me to post that letter or remind me to call that person. And um, using the 2 it isn't really that complicated um, because I'll only ever have one or two things in the Reminders app. I did go on and on about having one inbox, (laughs) but I'm breaking my own rule there. But it it is that it'll be done today and I don't have to keep checking apps because I will get the Reminder. That's my combination. It doesn't mean it'll work for everybody else. Pilar, what do you use when it comes to this kind of task management approach?
1: Well, I don't really have an approach, <laughs> which is why I said to you earlier. I think you're going to laugh because I've been reflecting about this, uh thinking um for many years I just had two things I would do. I would run the theatre company and it was re- it was relatively obvious what needed to be done and we had project plans and stuff and it just was quite obvious and it, it was a paper-based environment. Uh and and also as a voiceover it meant that It didn't make much sense for me, for example, to plan my week because then one morning I could get a call for in two days time and I would have to drop everything off to go for a recording. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how I do it, but I don't have like one place, but, um, I do because I do collaborate and because I do things like podcasting and online courses, which, which, which need constant ongoing tasks to be done, I use Trello for that. Mm. Uh, And I like it because it is very simple. It's about one of the few apps I've been using for many years. It is very simple to use. You can collaborate. um, And so I use that. And that every now and then reminds me that there's something I've forgotten about that needs to be done. So usually monthly recurring tasks and stuff like that. Um, and then I actually use something that sits between digital and analog, which is the remarkable tablet, Mm. which I just, well, the reason I use it is because I've always got it with me. Uh, if I need to access the content and I don't have it, there's an app for the phone and the computer. So if I need to look through something, not use it. So that's, that's good in that way. Um, but what I do, it's got a template for, um, Weekly planner. So I've got, and now I have a notebook in the Remarkable, which is just a collection of pages where I have a list of projects and I identify what needs to be done next for each project. I put a date on it. And then for each week, I will go and move it to my weekly planner so I can see everything. So I don't have any many reminders and things like that. So yeah, that's what I
0: use. But I think that's a really nice combination because it suits you and what you need. And, um, I'm, I'm constantly interested in that remarkable, um, tablet. I, I keep looking. It's presented to me in ads on social media all the mm. time. They know me well. And I keep clicking on it going, Oh, is this something I need? The answer is no, I don't need it, <laughs> but I'm really intrigued by it. And I think that that, um, Combination of the digital and the analog, and that you're writing things down, you're just writing them in a digital tablet. I think that's nice because it's flexible, right? Um, and as you said, you can access it from different places. So th- these are our thoughts, not our recommendations. Uh, I want to be really clear around task management. I'd love to hear from listeners what they do in the digital space to manage the tasks, to remind themselves to get it out of your head and into a system. So do get in touch to let us know what you think of that. And I know, I know I've left dozens and dozens and dozens of potential apps out of here. Everyone has a different favorite. But these are some that I'm familiar with from personal and professional experience, and that's why they made the list. Next, let's look at the, the need, uh, the requirement to manage our time and the commitments that we need to fulfill. Time and commitments are, how, how am I going to spend my time? Where do I need to be? Um, particularly when it's working with others, particularly when we're working to deadlines. Um, time is one of those limited resources that we all have to be aware of and to apportion realistically. And what's great about the digital um, way of doing this is you get a visual representation of your time. Um, that helps us be a little bit more realistic. It helps us see the commitments we've made. And if we keep an eye on that, we're a little bit less likely to overcommit to things. But as we've said before, that the to do list needs to be aligned with the calendar, doesn't it? Because if we're, you know, completely booked out from Monday to Friday, doing things that aren't on the task list, then when are we going to do those things? But The the calendar, if you like, the digital calendar, also helps us, just like the task list, uh, avoid using our memory for everything. The the digital uh, approach to this is really useful because sometimes we need to share that with others. Now, that is, to use the phrase again, a definite double-edged sword because the one thing that I think many people who work with others can identify with is uh, as soon as I share my calendar, things go in it. That I didn't put in, so giving other people permission to book you in or to invite you to things is one of the challenges that we we have to, to deal with in the contemporary work environment. But even if it's just to let people know when you're available versus when you're busy, um, that's that's what digital um, calendars can uh, can really help us with. And of course, it can be flexible. A digital calendar. Um, can show us certain things and not other things, so for example, most of these will allow you to put put in um, appointments that are to do with an area of your life let 's just say professional and then have a separate set of appointments that are personal. You can color code them, you can turn those on and off, and you can see what does my week and my month look like um, with all of the commitments. Uh, I've made with all of the things the places I need to be meetings I need to attend and and give you that vi- visual representation that our minds can't really do um, and as I say it just allows us to plan allows us to be a little bit more realistic and of course the digital uh, calendar we can move things around the paper calendar you know, I need to be erased and rewritten, and it can be difficult to get that high-level view. doesn't mean we should never use those things, but we are talking about the digital today. So again, I would suggest that we start with whatever is built in to the devices that you use. All devices, I'm going to say, will come with a built-in calendar. They will all give you the ability to add um, the accounts that you use, maybe your work Um, account and a personal account. And so you can add those things in there. That's a good starting place. And what I find really interesting is a tendency that people can be really, really diligent in managing their calendar when it comes to work. But the personal stuff doesn't really get added in. And, And I think that can sometimes be a flaw in our planning because we do need to represent the personal commitments digitally as well. One, so we don't double book ourselves, but also so we can get that view of how am I investing the time I have available? And maybe is there a bit of a lopsided emphasis on what I'm committing to do? And it might seem a little bit strange to calendarize something personal and fun, but actually it's a way of reminding us that that's something I'm committing to do and it's less likely to slide away from our awareness. So, you know, all of these will allow you to do that. Um, so many people in the corporate space will use something like Outlook, which you know, comes with their devices. Um, in other uh, organizations, they'll rely on Google Calendar. And each of these will have its pros and its cons, but if it's given to you, if it's built in, that's the place to start, I would suggest. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. It's more about how you use it, I think, um, rather than you know it's a special app. Does that make sense, Pilar?
1: Yes, completely, completely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that tendency that we can have sometimes to um, squeeze every last moment out of the day with appointments, <laughs> we soon realize it's unsustainable because we can't plan for every eventuality. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? The, the tendency in some organizations to have those back-to-back meetings because there's space on a digital calendar, but that doesn't represent the physical world, it doesn't represent human needs. Um, So it is a simplified representation, but it does give us that capacity to look at our week and our month and go, what's going on, and not have to use our memory. And Of course, those appointments can also spark ideas. When we look ahead and we think, oh, that meeting's next Wednesday, Um, I'm going to put some tasks in my task manager to remind me to do things in advance of that. So they should play nicely together.
1: Something, uh, sorry, Richard, something you said uh, makes me think that in organizations specifically, the calendar is not just an organization tool, so a task tool for you, but actually it's also a communication tool for those you work with. And I think that that awareness can help us manage these things that are coming up. Um, So, yeah, just a thought. Absolutely.
0: Even at the level of, I mean, I think that's an excellent point because think about the difference between two calendar invites one that says catch up and one that says, you know, catch up and has a note in it with a series of points that the person wants to cover off. You think, oh, okay, I can prepare for that second meeting really well. And I know why we're having this conversation. So, how these are used um, makes all the difference. For my part, I use an app on all my devices called Fantastical. Um, I'll link to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it. There's one really huge reason I like that is that if the meeting in the diary is going to be done online, and there's a link uh, to log into that Zoom or Teams or whatever other platform there is out there, Google Meet, um, it shows you that as an icon. On the appointment so i know in advance this is going to be a zoom call this is going to be a google meet call and if i get an invite it goes straight in there and it allows me to put my credentials in for those platforms and as i'm setting up the meeting i just tick a box to say make this a zoom call it saves me an awful lot of time because so much of my work obviously is being done remotely um, and online at the moment so you can also show your your tasks in Fantastical, it allows you in a sidebar to see tasks that you want to do. Uh, I don't use that functionality myself, but um, it's it's really nice in that regard. And of course, you can have multiple accounts, multiple calendars, color coding, the whole lot. It's <laughs> um It's really nice from that perspective. So I like to be able to group the calendars and say, show me my personal stuff, show me my work stuff, show me everything. Um, but that, that's that's my preferred one. And it's only because of the job I do. Um, the built-in calendar that you get with your device is a, just a perfect starting point. So what about you?
1: Well, it, that's exactly what I use is the built-in calendar with the Apple ecosystem, which mm-hmm. just works so well. And also it integrates with other stuff also, like it mm-hmm. integrates with uh, the Google, uh, Google calendar, for example. And I like, as you said, that you can assign colors so that i oh, it's pretty <laughs> but it also means that I, at a glance i can see oh i've got a recording there or oh that's uh, something i need to travel for um i like that you can add travel time as well or buffer time for mm. that um and 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 i use it in different ways so i've got uh talking about this public calendar thing because i do need a calendar so people can schedule to book in i i use an app called schedule once <laughs> And the reason why I use a separate app for people to to book into my calendar is that I can control the time I offer people. Mm. So it's not completely integrated with my Apple calendar because, no. <laughs> so I, I I know that, okay, Mondays and Fridays, you cannot book me unless you're very important like you, Richard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then I've got different times. So And then it's integrated also with a calendar to make sure there's no... Um, uh, clashes. But I think that for me is very important to be able to protect my time in some way. Um, and I also, one other thing that I think is really uh, interesting um, f- from using a calendar is those recurring events. So mm-hmm. I've got uh, at least three exercise classes throughout the week. So they're just recurring there. And then I can delete them if I know I'm away or whatever. But if not, they are always there in the calendar.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: make sure Not to have to remember, oh, on Mondays at 4.30, I have Pilates, so I can't do that, whatever.
0: It's a great point. Um, Both points, um, actually. The recurring nature saves us a lot of time (laughs) rewriting things and gives us the capacity to say, I'm going to meet this commitment for months now. It's, It's just in the diary forever. But the... Protecting your time. I mean, you know, we could probably come back to this (laughs) concept in the future for a whole episode. But yes, tools like ScheduleOnce, I use You Can Meet Me. uh, Similar thing. I make time available in my calendar and offer that out and people can book within it, but it's not my whole calendar. Otherwise I get nothing done. So I can decide when I want to offer up those appointments and the other party can decide which of those appointments suits them. And it saves time in the back and forth when you're free, but it also allows me to put a theme to my days and say, this is a day that is nothing but coaching appointments and This is a day, the next day, which is all about writing those training courses I'm committed to do, rather than lots of switching between things and finding little 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. So this notion of using the calendar to protect your time, I constantly have this conversation with clients where we're talking about, what about you? When are you going to get your stuff done? And might it not be a good idea to go three, four weeks out in your calendar and start blocking things out? now that says that's what i'm going to work on that project that's when i'm going to um do this personal development stuff that i really want to do but other people are booking my time in constantly so it is a great way of ensuring that this stuff that we might call important but not yet urgent or box two on our eisenhower matrix for prioritizing things Those things really need to go in the calendar. They need to have a date associated with them. Otherwise, it's the urgent stuff takes over all the time. And yeah, we'll do lots of stuff, but we'll we'll never get around to that important stuff unless we put it in our schedule and make that commitment. So that's why we do it, not to be... Uh, overly controlling and uh, account for every minute of every day in the week, but just say, actually, I'm I'm guarding this for myself. And it's a commitment to me to do this thing, focus on this thing, complete this task, or even, uh, as it happens in conversation, schedule these personal things. Like you talked about exercise. Other people might talk about family time, meals, um, just alone time. You know, putting that in and say, this is valuable to me. This is why I'm putting it in here. So the calendar can be really, really useful on a whole number of levels. And if you're able to turn on and off different calendars within the app, it gives you that capacity not to be reminded of work-related stuff in the evening or the weekends or whenever you don't want to see it, but still have the advantage of these are my commitments. This is what this is how I really want to spend my limited time. Finally, this notion of managing our knowledge. You could, if you wished, put all of your tasks that you need to get done uh, in your calendar and say, that's the time I want to do that. I have found working with clients who do that, it quickly becomes unsustainable because there are so many things that need to be done. And suddenly Mm -hmm. their calendar looks like a war zone and it's unusable. So that's why it's really important I I would argue to have tasks in one place, calendar commitments in another where there's an absolute necessity to be in a place or be with people or if you're time boxing, you know, you're making that commitment to put that in. But also, what about what we learn, what we encounter, what we create and write? That's knowledge. And we talked about this notion of building a second brain, you know, managing our knowledge. We need to have the notes associated with our projects, with what we discover, with with what occurs to us, rather than saying, I'm sure I'll remember that. <laughs> um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess you won't forever. So having a single place to put all of that. And of course, digital knowledge, as we've discussed, is much easier to organize, and it's much more flexible than paper-based information. And it's more resilient in the case um, of of backups and um, cloud synchronization. It can be accessed lots of places. I don't want to labor the point, but we can start with the simplest uh, level here. Use the app that came with your device. So many people who are listening to this right now will have access to Microsoft OneNote because of their corporate laptop, their work-based machinery. Um, It's an absolutely great app for organizing knowledge and projects and no money needs to change hands it's it's already there as microsoft to do might be and so there's no need to go and look at the market and say which one should i choose you have one similarly if you've got an iphone you've got apple notes um i'm a huge fan of that app a huge fan because it's it's free it's powerful it's built in you can organize notes in so many flexible ways um and and it's it's getting updated constantly with new helpful functionality so they're ones that you probably have at your disposal. If you're in the world of um uh, using android um you have Google keep, which is a a little it's the equivalent of i guess digital. Post-it notes, a little bit more like that. It's not as advanced as some of the others, but it's there. So if we're talking about the principle of just externalizing information, to put it somewhere digital, that is perfectly adequate. Now we can step outside of that and then dip our toes into that world of there are so many notes apps. And once again, I'm I'm going to leave some out here, but some of the the more popular ones, if you're keen to do a little bit of research, Evernote, um, I think was probably one of the most Preeminent ones. It's been around for a very long time. It ticks all the boxes of organizing notes. You can create notebooks. You can gather notebooks into what they call a stack, or what we might call it, an area of life. There's so much functionality in there, including reminders. Now they've added tasks, so you can actually put tasks in there and get reminders about those tasks. You can share the notes. You can publish the notes, um, you can export the notes into other apps. There's there's an awful lot going for that. Now, that's a paid uh, service. Um, We've also got uh, one that's really popular at the moment called Craft. And Craft is less about, let me just pop that thought in, and it's more about, let me write this thing. Let me write this um, idea and expand on it a little bit. And what it's really powerful for is sharing and publishing with other people. So you can just get a, a simple uh, URL out of it and send that to someone and say, have a look at this thing that I've just written. Now It's very flexible. You can use it um, any way that you would like. It uh, also requires payment, but it's, it's beautiful app. Um, it's really nice to use, really nice to look at. And I might say that's at one end of the, the continuum and Google Keep might be at the other end of this continuum, which is less beautiful to look at. But you know it it does the job. If you like to keep things bare bones and super simple, um there's one that I came across uh maybe a couple of years back called bare notes. B E A R, the animal, bear notes. And actually, you organize things using the hashtag. So it doesn't have folders. It doesn't have stacks. It just has, if you put this hashtag into this note, it'll always be associated with this pile of notes over here. And you can write in what's called Markdown. Uh, some of our listeners might know what that is. It's a very, very, very simple way of adding formatting. To your notes. We don't have scope to go into it today, but it's a really, really simple way of just not taking your hands off the keyboard and just formatting as you go along. That's also a paid um, solution. Come at me with your suggestions for the things I haven't mentioned and why it's useful for you. But remember, the principle here is just something you'll use to organize the information. You'll be able to access it in the future, get it from various devices, and, and organize it in a way that makes sense for your life. Personally, I, I find um, Apple Notes is, is taking over my life. Um, virtually everything is going in there for one reason or another because actually I use the Apple Pencil with it to handwrite things. So meeting notes, coaching notes, ideas, diagrams, it's, it's all in there and parallel to that. I use Obsidian, uh, which we mentioned previously with this, the Building a Second Brain conversation. That's for a very specific, which is gathering um, academic, scientific knowledge and information and making links between those things. And I've got to a stage where I'm comfortable knowing what is where. Um, it's not ideal to have multiple, multiple notes apps on the go because you'll spend more time trying to find stuff. But that that's how I use it. And having used <laughs> I can't remember how many of these. I've actually just come back to Apple Notes. It's there, it's accessible, it's robust, it synchronizes. I mean, it just ticks all the boxes, really. Um, and it, it's free. So, Pilar, after that download, what about you? What do you think of managing your knowledge using Notes?
1: Well, I think I probably started very much where you were and have ended up where, very much where you were. So I used to have all this, well, I used to use Trello also to make Notes and I still use this thing called Zoho Notebook. Zoho Mm -hmm. is this ecosystem that very few people talk about anymore. Um, And the Notebook app is just beautiful because you arrange your projects into notebooks and you can give each notebook a cover and it just looks so pretty. So I still use that for things like book ideas or new projects ideas. So stuff that I'm not going to look at for a really long while. And I've use. i tried so many of these apps and I've ended up using the Apple Notes app because there's no friction. You just open it and you make your note. And I don't use any of its functionalities. I don't tag, I don't put dates, nothing. It's just the place that where I go, oh, that sentence that came to my mind about this letter I need to write, where is it? It's there. That Mm. idea for uh, this uh, talk I'm going to give, where is it? It's there. And I just found it's just really quick to... To access and everything is there. Uh, yes, and I did use Bear once, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that you okay. mentioned, but oh, yeah. I stopped for the same reason. I just uh, and then the the thing I do use, which is slightly different, is I use Pocket to capture anything I'm reading online mm-hmm. uh, for later. And I know again, I know that if I'm thinking, oh, that article I saw, where it's probably in Pocket.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you've got your own rules of thumb for where things live, then it keeps things nice and simple, doesn't it? And you won't really go far wrong mm. with that. And you've illustrated there There are more of these tools out there than we can ever get our arms around. It's about <laughs> finding a, something that works for you in your system, in your life, with your preferences. And I'm, I'm never going to critique someone for saying it makes it look pretty. It, if it works for you and you want to use the tool then that matters. And there'll be someone else listening to this that said, I live out of text files, and it's black and white, and I never want to see color. And perfect. Make that work for you if it's not getting in the way. The main point here is that we actually need three things. We need somewhere to record the tasks we want to complete, somewhere we need to visually represent the commitments we want to keep um, based on time and location, And we need somewhere to keep the information that we gather and the uh, fallout from those tasks or those commitments, those meetings. Really, if we have those three and they are quality, they work for us, avoiding the app trap of moving between all the different things is, is really just a matter of willpower at that point. Because if they're working for you, why change? I hope this has inspired uh, listeners to have a think about how am I using these tools. I would love if you if you got in touch and told us which three you use for these uh, different activities, but also if you've got a top tip about any of the ones we've mentioned, because as we said, they don't come with manuals. So if you could share some of your knowledge about how you use your, your task management, your calendar, or your notes application, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Ping us something on Twitter at mypocketpsych, or you can send us an epically long email mm-hmm. um, at uh, send us an email to podcast at com. And of course, as with all of these discussions, you can all also join us online at club, which is our free online community all about personal development to carry on the conversation and maybe share a post there of things that you use, why you use them, and why you think they're the best apps. Ever. It's a very personal choice. I think the bottom line is as long as you're making that choice explicitly for good reasons for you, no one else can fault that. PLR, we're at the end of another episode. Breathe out. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's
1: been a good one, <laughs> a uh, meaty one. <laughs> we've
0: gone, yeah, it's meaty compared to the last few. But anyway, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Mm-hmm.
1: No, not really. I think uh, I've said enough.
0: (laughs) I think we both have. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Do get in touch with your thoughts and questions. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at... Work Life Psych, or leave us a message on the contact form at slash contact. Thanks for listening.